0: This is a No Land in Sight podcast production. Welcome to Is That Movie Still Good? The podcast where we take a movie from the past, give it a thorough rewatching, and ask the question, Is That Movie Still Good? Today, we're going to metaphorically go back in our toy chest, pull out our action figures, and see if that lightsaber on Darth Vader will still slide out his head. This week, we're going to look at a space epic, Alien, from 1979. So sit back, strap on your seatbelts, and get ready for some fun. On Is that movie still good? All right, Nate. Here we are. Is that movie still good? We're back again. Uh, hey. Welcome back, friends and uh, cinephiles. Uh, before we get started, want to do a couple of pieces of promotion. Um, first of all, want to tell you guys that while we've gotten into this podcast uh, journey. We've made some interesting friends and met some great people doing podcasts, and I want to share a couple with you guys. Um, One is our friend Ron down in North Carolina. He's around Asheville. He does a podcast called... Western North Carolina original music. Um, It is simply showcasing the music of the Asheville, North Carolina area, which is a part of the country I love. has a great and rich arts and music scene. Ron's doing some great stuff down there. So if you like music, take a listen to that one. I'll guarantee you you'll find something else that you like. The other one that I want to talk about and recommend is called Miscast Commentary. And this is a podcast where a couple of guys... Rewatch movies, sort of like ourselves, except what they do is take a movie and they're watching it as they're commenting on it. And it's sort of Mystery Science Theater style, but it's really fun, and uh, if you find a movie that you like particularly, you're going to enjoy those guys. So check out Miscast Commentary. Um, Otherwise, thank you guys for the support. We've had a couple of great episodes that have had some great downloads. We just did our Oscar podcast, so if you haven't, checked that out in advance of the Oscars. Listen to that. Without further ado, let's just get into Alien. So... Nate, tell me about Alien. What do you remember about that one?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously everybody remembers this movie, a uh, huge, huge movie. You know, and I did see it. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or HBO, like a lot of those movies. I mean, I was only, you know, six years old when it came out. So, I, I, unlikely I probably would have seen it at the theater then. So, it was probably a few years later when I was older that I saw it. And maybe saw it a few times there in the 80s and then really just put it on the shelf and, and, and hadn't seen it since. And it's not any real reason. Um, You know, I was trying to think of why haven't I watched this movie more, especially because it's always had the sequels kind of always been in the forefront of pop culture. Um, And I think what it is, and and it has a really great, broad, talented cast, but it's not a, you know, if you think of other people from back then, you know, Harrison Ford, Clint Eastwood. So when Blu-rays came out or even before that DVDs came out, it wasn't one that I had to run out and buy right away and have in my library because none of the characters, albeit good actors and actresses, were really in my top favorites. So I think this one kind of kind of fell back for me a little bit. So going back to watch it, I, I expected a good movie. It still wouldn't have the praise that it does. Um, but I was really surprised by how good it was and how well it still holds up.
0: Yeah, I, I think it holds up great. And it's a movie that... I have always viewed with a very, very kind lens. I've loved this movie. In rewatching this, I remembered, I don't know where I saw it the first time, but there, there are sequences in it that I remember seeing in childhood, maybe watching with my dad watching it on TV or something. Um, but like you said, to your point about the actors and actresses, I know this is a great movie, but then when I went back and revisited it several years later, I was like, well, Alien, I know that's good, but I know Sigourney Weaver, and who else is in this? Like, Tom Skerritt? Like, I'm not watching Picket Fences here. So (laughs) I kind of discounted it. But once I went back and revisited it in the early 90s and really got back into it, it's one of my favorite movies. But I haven't seen it in 10 years, probably. So it's definitely worth a revisit to see how it holds up.
1: Well, you know, something that's very interesting about this movie is it almost didn't get made. It had a lot of trouble getting the the attention of the studios. Right. Um, But then, of course, Star Wars came out. And, you know, if if you know anything about Star Wars, it was not
0: expected to do that well. No, they they expected it to be a total bomb.
1: Right. And, of course, everybody knows history was made. And then all the studios are racing around looking for a science fiction movie that's at least far enough along in production that they can get it to the theaters pretty soon, and Alien just happened to be there. Mm -hmm. And it needed some rework, but they got it out, what, two years later? Yeah, 79, so that's right. Yeah, Yeah. so, you know, if you talk Star Wars was making its money in 77, they had to wrap production probably in 78 to get it out, I think, May of 79, something like that. Um, So, you know, it, it it had a little bit of good luck getting out there mm-hmm. but then you know next couple of years after that you get close encounters right you know and you get et and you get spielberg starting to get right, into right, sci-fi right. and you just have this whole new kind of world that kind of moved from that 60s charlton heston type sci-fi into that 70s logan run type sci-fi now it's kind of the big blockbuster pre-cgi even sure modeling yes, things yes. like that um science fiction, and it really, you know, of course, Star Wars has its place, but this is right behind that as, a, as probably one of the more important scientific or science fiction franchises I totally of all time. agree.
0: I completely agree with that. It is, um, like you said, it, it kind of bridges us from that Star Wars era into the modern era, the 80s era of, of science fiction and space epics. Well, and there's a couple of things
1: uh, about the beginning of, of Alien that you see that Star Wars... You know, uh, you know. I've been making fun of the screen scroll for yes, a while now. Yes. Now they don't do a screen scroll. Now they do have some messaging at the beginning. But I, it, I, I it, know not, you
0: love some more reading.
1: It, it doesn't bother me because unlike the ones that I've been complaining about the last couple podcasts that that stage of the plot and set up, you know, you know, kind of what's going to go on there. This is just, hey, this is an informational, you know, commercial towing vehicle, the Nostromo, or Nostromo, however right. they want to pronounce it, cargo refinery processing, twenty million tons of mineral ore, course returning to Earth. And it's really cool because as they're doing these opening credits, you kind of see these lines across yes, the top and yes. as the, the score is building up, and mm-hmm. it's a great score. It kind of forms the word alien. Mm-hmm. And then you you get a classic Star Wars beginning of a movie because it shows the great big spacecraft. station just- just cruising, cruising along, along space. and it does the undercarriage yes. slow mo view like that you see at the beginning of every yeah. single Star Wars yeah, yeah. movie. So they they did peel a little bit off of that, but even even the, the the writers and directors say, you know, hey, we stole a lot from a lot of people in this one, um, and we're and that's fine. That's kind of what you know, movie making is about. Sometimes
0: I love it if they can be honest and say that because everybody does it. So. Just own it and give yeah. some credit to the people who've come before you and done some great art.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and it, it's kind of neat, too, because for the first five minutes with all the opening credits, you, you don't see a human. Right. You get the opening credits, you get the spaceship, very kind of slow pace, kind of starting to kind of bring you in. And I can imagine being at the theater. And the cool thing is, from what I understand, this is going to be a re-release in 2019, the original movie. Kind of like you know how they've been doing recently, where they bring old movies back right, to the theater. Right, so it's right. not a new director's cut; it's the original. I'm sure it's you know, n- you know better sound quality. They did, cleaned up the cleaned video, up, cleaned yes. it up that type of stuff. But you know, I can imagine the first time sitting in the theater, those first five minutes, and it just sucking you in. A 2001 Space Odyssey type thing. Um, Yeah, and it's it's
0: it's one that's such a slow burn that I wonder if it could get made today because it doesn't jump right in there and do stuff immediately. It's a real slow burn to get to where we're going, Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of tension build up. That's one of the beautiful things about this movie, and – I think this movie is, it's a space movie, it's a sci-fi movie, but I would also put it on my list of scariest movies ever because the tension there is built up effectively. You're frightened of what you don't see. Ridley Scott does a great job of building that tension starting from the beginning, and like you said, we're not showing any humans, we're going to do kind of this slow burn, we're going to let you know we're in deep space and there is no one around and there is nothing else there.
1: And what was the saying? Nobody can hear you in space? In space, no,
0: no one can hear you scream was the yeah. tagline for this movie. Yeah,
1: exactly. And and so I think it does a fantastic job. Whether that would
0: play today or not, I think that it, it could because it it, it it at this quality it could. No, I, I think that's right. I think if you drop this movie today, you're going to be talking about a very well-received critical movie and one that gets a lot of thinking uh, people who like movies to watch it.
1: Well, and, you know, and, 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 I, and I think, and I, I mean, you can challenge me on this, or maybe a listener could, could, could challenge us on this, is this really the first kind of horror sci-fi?
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. This is groundbreaking in a lot of levels, so we'll start with that one. Is, yeah. it, is it the first horror sci-fi? And maybe so, because I'm not sure about that. Because I don't, I don't know enough sci-fi movie history, full disclosure on that. But right.
1: well, and, 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 you know, there's a whole genre of books, and there's some video games that, uh, that play into this genre as well. That are just, you know, there's a, a video game, uh, uh, I forget what it's called, but I, uh, a couple different uh, iterations have come out of it to where, you know, you play it in a dark room with the surround sound on and you can only play about 45 minutes and you got to take a break. Yeah. Because you'll just, you're on the edge of your seat. And right. That, and it kind of builds that tension. And, and and there are spots, and in my notes, I had written a few times and all I put were exclamation points where I, I, I literally jumped out of my chair. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I, and I'm not usually that. Right, that jumpy, right. That jumpy, but I, it, it, it got me in that regard. Well, when
0: this movie was pitched to the studios, one of the, the, you know, because these producers will have people read the read the screenplay and then come giving them a pitch for what it is. And so at the production studio, when this was read, one of the stories goes, the pitch man just walked in and said, it's like Jaws, but in space. Yeah which yep. is precisely correct.
1: Yeah, exactly. No, uh, that's you're exactly right. Which is, then, you know, came out, what? Right? 76, 76,
0: I think was. Jaws. Yeah. So,
1: you know, they took a little Star Wars, took a little Jaws, made a little Star Jaws. Was yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> <In, in laughs> right. away we go. We got alien. Uh so about five and a half minutes into this movie, we, we finally get our first look at, at at the humans, and they're they're in hibernation or, right. or stasis or stasis or whatever however you say it, um, sleeping, but then they're all woken up. And, right. and, you, and you don't know what, why they're being woken up yet.
0: They're all just kind of woken up. They're kind of drowsy, coming out of their sleep. And quickly, one of the things that, that Ridley Scott does a great job in this movie is, as I'm watching this this time through, I start thinking about all these questions like, What's going on with these guys in the sleeping? And he explains it later. And I'm like, what's the deal with gravity in space? Why does every spaceship have gravity working on it? But later on, he's like, turn on the gravity effects. And then, you know, I was like, the cat. What's up with the cat? And then, they're, they, you know, they talk about putting the cat in the freezing. So, like, every single little logical question I had, he answers later in the movie, yeah. which is brilliant, I think. Yeah, well, and the cat's pretty funny because I,
1: I, I was like, why is this cat in here? Right, yeah, right, exactly. And, and there are actually four different cats that actually played the one cat and I think the cat's name was Jonesy I think. Jonesy yes yeah, like
0: I desperately wish I had a friend last name Jones so I could just call him Jonesy, Jonesy all the time. I've, I've wanted that for like 20 years so anybody that <laughs> wants last name Jones wants to be a friend just call me I'll call well, him Well, and
1: they, and they have this one scene where the cat just looks terrified yes did you did you read about how they got, about, with, how, the, with how, the
0: German how, shepherd <laughs> by, yes <laughs> yeah, behind the glass that's
1: just fantastic that's <laughs> great directing yeah and, and uh, what they did is they had the German shepherd and they where the cat couldn't see it and then they pulled the glass back or pulled the, the shield back and it was behind glass yeah. So it went attack and the cat okay. saw the Just dog. Just freaked the hell out. Freaked out. <laughs> and that's why you get this cat with this crazy expression. Um, but we do find out that, that there's a reason that they, they were woken up. They were woken up by the onboard computer. Yes. Who's who's called Mother. Right. Which that's kind of weird. It is weird. <laughs> and, um, especially on like a cargo ship. On a or container? I don't know. Um Well I've got some stuff on that. I, we'll, we'll get back to that. <laughs> okay, we'll get back to mother. But this is this is where seventies movies then this is where what would, if they didn't remake this movie today, you would not see this at all. On the spaceship, they all wake up, they're eating breakfast, and, like, as they're eating breakfast, pretty much all of them are smoking. Everybody's smoking. It is <laughs> so like... That, that spaceship must have an awesome filtration system. It had to be awesome. The only thing they're missing is a martini. And, I mean, like, I, what the hell? As we've talked about before, movies back then, smoking was kind of a, a, a plot line in some, in some
0: yeah. sense. Yeah, well, it was just ubiquitous, and people smoked, and so it just, I think... Given the the times, it made it seem like they were just regular people in a yeah. regular workplace situation.
1: Right. Well, and there is a, a kind of blue collar effect to, to the movie because when they when they laid out the different characters that they wanted to have, and you think you know, you have engineers, you have medical, you have you know the the actual pilots mm-hmm. and all that type of stuff. And originally, the cast was what I think there's seven of them, maybe.
0: Yes, there's seven seven yeah. uh, uh, crew members. Crew
1: members, and they're the only seven people in the whole movie. Yes. Um, not counting the eighth person that's inside the the aliens,
0: here. right, 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 the, right.
1: So you have eight with him. But anyway, um, they proposed it being all men, but yet, as they were casting, they said, "Really, all of these are unisex characters. Let's just find the right person for the the, the character, right that, that fits the bill." So I, I, I and I think they did a good job. Um, and I mean, you talked about Tom Skerritt, you know. From well, S- I want to get back. Before, yeah, before we get to Tom yeah. Skerritt,
0: I want I want to go to the second area okay. where this movie is groundbreaking because you okay. talked about being the first sci-fi space horror film I think it's probably the first female lead in a sci-fi movie and possibly an action movie I can't think of one before this where you had... I mean, I realize Tom Scared is the captain of the ship, but this is Sigourney Weaver's movie, 100%. Right. And it's her first real big movie. Right. It's her movie. She's going to kick the alien's ass. She's also got more sense than anybody. She's following protocol. I mean, she is... It is her movie. And I can't think of one before this where we had a female lead in a sci-fi or action movie.
1: Yeah, and I didn't. I haven't really put much thought into it, so I'm in no position to challenge that, but you, you could be right. Yeah, And, and well. And how this movie builds on itself as well, you don't know in that first hour who the lead is. You
0: don't know whose movie it is. The only thing you know is... That it's not that woman who's crying and wailing all the time. Right. Because we can't wait for her to die. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, universally, but nobody so, can wait for her somebody, to die. Somebody
1: send her out of the ship and like send her on an errand where she's not going to return. <laughs> right. We know. <laughs> Just, yeah. Yeah. Send her. Yeah. Send her to the, uh, what was it in the old horror movies when they like this? Send, send somebody S- out. Send to them the bar. to the garage. Go to the, the bar. bar. Go to the bar. Go to the garage because we know you're not coming <laughs> back. <laughs> Go um, where no. all the chainsaws are. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I thought that was pretty neat that it wasn't like this immediate, oh, I'm the lead character, it was everybody just kind of had an equal part, an equal, and it really kind of built built the camaraderie within the crew, Yes, um, that as they start stumbling across different issues that they have to deal with, all of them are approaching it from their own viewpoint, and they make different decisions, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later, that that ultimately lead to what, what evolves throughout the plot. Right. So, they got the message from Mother. So, so Tom Skerritt, he's the captain. He goes and talks to Mother, the computer, Um, and Mother has intercepted an unknown transmission Mm -hmm. and changes their course to investigate it. Right. And there's a lot of debate going on, and I think this is, once again, kind of those interesting things with the crew, because then they start debating, well, hey, is this in our contract? Yeah, I mean, they're they're contracted to go out and get the, the tons of mi- mineral ore and to bring it back to Earth. And they're like, hey, am I getting a bonus for this? Mm-hmm. Um, why are we doing this? We're shipping. We're not a rescue mission. Yes. You know, is this really our role? Whatever. But, you know, Mother tells them they have to do it, so they go do it.
0: Yeah, and so Mother tells them they have to do it, and they go to this moon uh, where they um, – are they are they they go over there with the spacecraft and by the way this is the weirdest looking spacecraft I've ever seen like clearly aerodyna are you talking the
1: mother ship or the- the,
0: the, the the ship that they're towing the, yeah. the, the Nostromo is kind of ridiculous looking yeah. like clearly aerodynamics don't exist in space which is prop which is right which is right right yeah, so I mean yeah. yeah so anyway and so they, they get down to this uh this moon and it's you know they have a little um malfunction with the ship as they're landing and they, they there's a little damage to the ship and it's it's all misty and this is a spot in the movie where—one of the things I think that this movie did great was um, the sound on this. Mm-hmm. Like, the sound in this is amazing because at the beginning, like you said, where, where it's all—you know, we don't see anybody for five minutes. It's silent. There's a lot of dead silence, and then when it's loud, it's loud. When they're on that, on that planet, it's loud. There's wind blowing. Um, it, it's—
1: But I never—for a movie that's so old, and, and potentially, you know, I, I got it off of Prime, so maybe it's been balanced out— I never had to adjust my volume. No, no, And no. a lot of times, even with modern movies, I'm having to go up and down, yes. up and down, up and down, because th- they just don't have the, the sound mixed right.
0: The, the sound in this movie is I brilliant. Didn't have, I
1: didn't have to touch anything, in, it, in, in but you would get those different oscillations of, you know, mm-hmm. the, like you said, the wind or, or something, a heavy but, sound you know, or, or the
0: screams of the alien, whatever. Right. It's, and this movie wasn't even nominated for an Oscar for sound. Right. It was nominated for two Oscars, it nominated for visual effects, which which won, it won. Yeah. and it was nominated for production design.
1: Right. One of the things, though, that I did notice, um, so, so right there at the end of the scene, you just described, uh, you have the people that are out on the landing craft that, that they've wrecked it. There's a hull breach, and they're talking back to the engineers back on board. And I, I believe uh, uh, Scorning Weaver's character, Ripley, is back mm-hmm. on board. Yeah. She's not on the, the, um, the smaller craft, and they say it's going to take about 25 hours to fix the damage. Right. So they're pretty much stuck on this little moon that they landed on trying to chase down this transmission.
0: Well, they're all, they're all in, the, in the craft, right? Like, they yeah. take the whole Nostromo down, they land right. it, and so then they send out a party to check out the planet, and yeah. and Ripley, Sigourney Weaver, is the captain of the ship, because Tom Skerritt, who's Dallas, yeah. he is he's number the captain, one. he's number one, he goes out with two other people, and they go out to check it out. So, yeah. and it's going to take about 25 hours, but and then they, while they're doing it, they go out and they're searching the planet uh, to see what this distress call was.
1: So at this point, I noticed something about this movie that I thought was interesting that really has nothing to do with the movie, Dawn. I'm curious if you noticed it. Okay. What is it? They all
0: had really bad teeth. Oh, I didn't really notice that. You didn't notice that? And
1: and in a a day in Hollywood, this is probably where it jumped out at me because you could watch like a Western from like the, you know, 1890s where nobody ever saw a dentist and they all have perfectly straight, beautiful white teeth these days because everybody does. I was just like, well, what happened to the dentist in the future? Because like every single one of them has like yellow brown teeth, and and I don't know if it's intentional or not. You yeah. would think that you know these people in Hollywood would actually have pretty nice. teeth. Well, Sigourney's teeth aren't bad, right?
0: They're not bad, but, but some of the white. other ones, some, yeah, the other Sigourney's ones teeth are, pretty, are good. But pretty, other ones, yeah, okay, some pretty rough. Right. There's
1: some pretty rough teeth going on. Yeah, in this the, movie. the other lady
0: didn't have great teeth. That's yeah, true, that's n- for sure.
1: most of the men pretty, for yeah. Now. And, and and the next time you'll see it, I guarantee you you'll notice.
0: We've it. come a long way in dentistry in, in 40 years.
1: Well, we have, but what uh-huh. happens? In in the future, right? Well, that's a great point. <laughs> you know, if this movie has any truth to it at all, if something happens in the dental profession that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what happens. Uh,
1: it'll be you know maybe maybe it's in one of the prequels I haven't I, seen. <laughs> maybe <laughs> I don't yeah.
0: know, but um, the Great the, Dentist Plague of 2018. <laughs> yeah, uh, wait, that was last year. That was last year, 2028. Mm. Yeah. Well, this movie was set in 2022. Did you know that? Oh, I did not know that. I was wondering the whole time when it was set. Set in 2022, so we're just three years away from that now, and. Uh, there's a couple things about it we, that are we just kind of funny. We to get a man back to the moon. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but we're going to land on Mars in like a month and a half. Yeah, that's yeah, right.
1: Because yeah, that's how like, – Well, that's
0: another interesting thing about this movie. It was made less than a decade – shot less than a decade after we put a man on the moon.
1: Well, you yeah. think about that – I mean, and I, you know, not to like to- totally go way off path here, but – We were a lot closer to going back to the moon and going to Mars.
0: Yes, in seventy nine. In seventy
1: nine, than we are now. And I know Musk is talking about it and all that. And I'm sure there's lots of people excited thinking they're going to get to go be on Mars. Yeah, I believe it when I when I see it. Yeah, space
0: exploration was a bigger thing at that point.
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of work. I mean, there's you know we're still in theoretical phase. And even if we get theoretical, you got to get the machines to work and life support and all that kind of fun stuff. I've Played enough game of you know civilization to you know know what it really takes. Right, right. That game's very accurate. But uh, but yeah. I think we were. I think back then, if you would have done a poll, you probably would have had a higher percentage of people thinking that we're closer to exploring deep space yes. than we actually are right now. Correct. You know, which is which is pretty fascinating. Um, but they realize they're only about 200 meters away from the source of this anomaly. Right. Of, of this. Uh, of, of the distress call. Of the distress call that mother, you know, made, made them go go uh, explore. The first people that you mentioned a few moments ago, Scarrett, Dallas, and, and a couple others, and one of them volunteers, and I was like, "I want to go." I think it's a John Hurt character.
0: Right? Yeah, it is a John Hurt character, yeah, yes.
1: Um, and John Hurt, I don't, you know,
0: I, what do you think about him as an actor? I I, I, I see his name and I'm like, "Oh, William Hurt's in this." Wait, that's not William Hurt. That's John Hurt. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of what happens to me too. And then I, I
1: looked at his filmography, and yeah, there's some stuff in there I yeah. recognize, and
0: yeah, but I think I get it's him. a name you know, but I don't think it's an actor that you really know, and it's not a guy that ever blows you away.
1: Yeah, and and I had to kind of sit there. It took me for a second when I saw the opening credits and saw... Because I was kind of same thing with him and Harry Dean Stanton. Now, I know what Tom Skerritt looks like. He's right, actually been right. in some some good movies right. I like. But I was like, I thought Harry Dean Stanton... It took me a second to go, oh, yeah, that's him.
0: Yes, And yes. kind of the
1: same thing with, with, with John I always, get,
0: I always get Harry Dean Stanton confused with the guy that played MacGyver. What was
1: his name? It, 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 it was it, something Something Stanton, Dean, or Dean or something, Dean, something, something, yeah, yeah. Yeah, something yeah, yeah, I always get those two guys yeah. confused. Yeah, it's and I always get him confused, too, with... Um, Oh, oh! I'm not going to remember his name, but um, there was another uh, another three named actor yeah, like that, yes. that, that. That Edward
0: James almost? <laughs> not, that one, oh. not that one.
1: not that one. But uh, but yeah, yeah. He's just one of those people that you know the name, but and he does fine in the movie.
0: Yeah, Even he the, he's actually one of the better characters in the movie because he's a little different and he's quirky and he plays on that. And you know, he's fine. Yeah. So so three of them, they
1: they they leave and they they go out to examine the the source of the warning. And it's really cool because the the cinematography at this point kind of shifts. Yeah. And it's very kind of shaky and granular. Mm -hmm. Total Blair Witch. Yes, I mean, I was just sitting there going, "This is the Blair Witch Project," which of course mm-hmm. came out 25 years later. Right, right. Um, so Which
0: I just is another movie I put on my scariest movie list, by the way. But yeah, continue. well,
1: I got to we when we saw that at the theater, we were in the front row. Oh so yeah. So imagine having your head up like that. I, I thought, yeah, I just it, it drove me more crazy than scared right, me because right. it's just you, being in the front row for any movie is awful. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, but you know, you think of all the iconic things that we we see from this movie that either are just totally attached to alien or they're repeated in other movies so when you go back and you say well yeah the the writers and directors openly admit that they took things from other movies well guess what other movies in the future took things from this movie as well for sure and no I think doubt. that's that circular compliment mm-hmm. within within the hollywood community but i thought that that was really neat and then they they, they come across this um kind of weird shaped
0: ship or building it's kind of a c-shaped ship
1: thing yeah and you can tell right away that that's sitting up on it almost looks like a a pilot or what i thought it was was like somebody like manning like a gunner machine gun yeah right but it's huge mm-hmm. compared to the compared to the astronauts and they're talking to each other and and um they're like it looks like it's been dead a long time it's been fossilized and that's when back on the mother ship you know or on the on the, the ship where Ripley and the engineers are, they've lost contact with them. And Ripley realizes that Mother has deciphered the message and it's not an SOS. It's a warning, but she can't communicate that to him. And here's something that's really cool about this scene too, just from a, once again, a cinematography standpoint. The director either used his or somebody else's kids in spacesuits to create the perspective. It was already a really big set piece. Uh Uh-huh but used kids yes. as the astronauts Did to make look it even the, bigger. The yeah, that's, yeah. That's,
0: awesome. Which is, that's awesome. Which is kind of fun. Another theme throughout this is when they're on the, you know, well, you talked about smoking earlier. There's a ton of smoke in this movie and, and they're billowing smoke at the top of their um, their helmets. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. yeah. So it's another, like, tie-in with the smoke, too. So well, and, and
1: once again, the, you know, the, their budget was pretty, for how much they accomplished in this movie, their, their budget was pretty limited and one of the complaints from the actors, especially in this scene and then some of the other scenes later, whenever they had on a full astronaut, suit mm-hmm. they were supposed to be pumping oxygen in there for them to breathe and like none of that equipment was yeah. working yeah yeah and so they as tom Skerritt, on several occasions was like i felt like i was gonna suffocate yeah there,
0: there a couple of them got sick with it and yeah. it was a bad situation yeah
1: and, and it's like in, in there are a lot of things kind of within this movie where people are like kind of like getting hit by something because a, a prop would mm-hmm. fa- fall the wrong way or somebody would see something and it actually physically made them sick, or being within the mask with low oxygen, to where, I mean, it was a very distressing filming for the crew, Mm -hmm. um, which kind of, I think, adds to the tension, too, because, I mean, you, you know, you can see that in the actors' faces.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know, there's another thing, too. There were two characters in this who were kind of the blue-collar minor guys, and one of them was Harry Dean Stanton, and the other one was, um, what was his name, Parker? Was that his name? I think it was Parker. Anyway... Uh Ridley Scott gave Parker the direction to off-screen when you're not shooting when you're around Sigourney Weaver just kind of do what you can to annoy her don't be nice to her be kind of get under her skin and uh he and, and the actor actually said I kind of didn't like that because I liked Sigourney. I thought she was fun to work with, but he gave me that direction. So I did it and I did everything I could to needle her. And so that when we were on screen, this sort of irritation from her came out towards this character. And after having read that and then watched it, it's crystal clear that, that she's like does has nothing for this man as a human.
1: Yeah. Well, he was the one that more than any of them was so adamant about, Hey, am I going to get paid extra for this? Am I going to, you know, you know, I want my bonus. I want my shares. And so, and you think about like how all he really cared, he was a hired gun as an engineer. And, you know, well, they were all hired guns. Ripley's, as you mentioned earlier, you know, much more into the protocol and the rules and things like that. So I didn't know that. And that's pretty interesting because it definitely comes out on screen. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know it, 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 this is then the when when they're they're still out there they find the, the eggs mm-hmm. and you know this is before CGI mm-hmm. so pretty much got to build everything you know uh, to just however you know you can't yeah. computer generate anything and so you remember the one egg opens up right and I remember oh, what is that yes
0: <laughs> inside the egg now you know what it was uh, inside the egg yeah well so when when the light was on there it was Ridley Scott's hand with the glove in there just like Mimicking around, like when, when it was just showing on it, but when it popped out, well, even inside where it was his hand, I heard I read something else too. What was it? Um, hearts and stomachs from a cow, but like the light shining oh, through there. Shi- yeah, okay. it where it looked like there was like some moth or something like yeah. fluttering. For- that was Ridley Scott's hand. Huh. Underneath the set, with that. Now, when that when, it, when it when it opened up, yeah. that's when it was the guts of, of, of an animal. When they when he looks down in there, and and when he's looking over it, and he, and he sees all of that stuff right before the that, thing jumps up yeah, on his face That's
1: one of those scenes that just jumps out of your chair.
0: It, it's just like the the shark coming up right yeah. at, in jaws, where you just it, jump.
1: Exactly, exactly. The the squiddy looking thing that that attaches itself to right? John Hurt's face. Um, the back, the tail of it was sheep intestines. Yes, yes, yeah. I mean, it's just great how creative they were mm-hmm. back then, coming up with just stuff that's just you know, how do we, how do we come up with something that's never been done before? You know, it just fascinates me. Right, it really right. does. Um,
0: and, and you, you know, really, Scott, I, this was. I mean, was this his first big movie? I, yes, it was. Um, He's been nominated for Best Director three times. He's been nominated for Thelma and Louise, for Black Hawk Down, and for Gladiator. And in a, a fairly stunning Oscar snub, he was not nominated for The Martian, which was nominated for Best Picture, mm-hmm. but he missed out on the director there. But he's never won a Best Director Oscar. But this was his first big one. This was his first one that kind of propelled him to the big time. Well, you know, he also did Blade Runner. Yep, great movie.
1: Um, And, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I think... I'm going to go out on a limb and say that your favorite movie of his is probably also my favorite movie of his, Gladiator. I love Gladiator. Oh, I, I love Gladiator. Um, yeah, Gladiator is one of those that is probably—is it in my top five? I don't know. I could probably come up with five that are better, but it's
0: pretty close. I do love it. There's some sir there some holes in it, and I, it's either Gladiator or Alien. It's my favorite Scott yeah. movie. So I, I would
1: take I would take Gladiator Gladiator or Alien. Uh, yeah, I, I well, just mainly just because, you know, how often do you see a movie like that?
0: Yeah. It you know, was, and there's
1: plenty of sci-fi, but how many real, just really good kind of, you know, Roman Gladiator, Coliseum yes, type it, movies it, it do was, you see? It was, And Joaquin
0: was... Everybody in that is, is yeah. great. I mean, I, I, Russell Crowe is great in that now, movie. Now, now that, the one bad thing about Gladiator, and we talk about this a lot, is... is Borderline unnecessary love story that Correct. really doesn't do much for the plot. Correct, and there's some historical inaccuracies that you can kind of poke some holes in, but sure, it border, yeah, but the love story is totally unnecessary. Totally
1: unnecessary. I, um, and that might be the best thing
0: about Alien. It is one of the best things about Alien. In a situation where you could have had a love story, there's none. They, they it, he doesn't waste any moment with a pointless love story here. Now, as I was watching it, I was wondering. Dallas and Ripley are they friends with benefits? Are they hook it up every now and then, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I like not knowing though. Well, in the original screenplay, or at least the screenplay they
1: were filming off of, there actually was going to be a scene where they actually did have a sex scene.
0: Yeah, right. Um,
1: but they never even filmed it, and and I think that's just a smart move by Ridley Scott, and kind of gets extra points in my book to realize this. I'm not even going to film it. Because I don't even want it to be on film. Because some idiot producer is going to make me put it in there, right. and it does not belong. It will take away from this movie.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. There is sexual tension, between, which is fine. We, that's exactly right. That's fine. There's sexual tension between Sigourney Weaver and Tom. Is and the Alien? And, no, <laughs> oh, sorry, <I> <laughs> but but to your point, one of the interesting things about this movie is for a movie that. Where there's no overt sex, there's a lot of subliminal and under the surface sexuality in this movie. From you know the alien with its tail coming up between the girl's legs, to um, even the the, the face hugger alien mm-hmm. dropping an egg down the, the guy's yep. stomach, to um, Tom Skerritt talking to the computer mother. Like yeah. there's it, it's it's a really sexualized film in a lot of ways without overt sexuality, right? Right. It's there if you want to look for
1: it, but it's
0: not there if you either don't see it or don't want it. If you're 13 years old and you watch this, you see none of that business. No. Well, you're terrified. You're just scared (laughs) scared scared to death. You're not going to pee your
1: pants.
0: Yeah. Now, the American Film Institute says this is the seventh best science fiction movie of all time. I I think that's probably right. Somewhere in that bubble. I I would put it in the top 10 or so. Like, I I can't think of, of 10 better than this. Yeah, that
1: might be. Yeah, it's definitely in the top ten. Yeah, I I I, I think that would be hard to argue. Empire Magazine said it's the thirty third greatest movie of all time. I'm not sure about that. That's that's aggressive. Um, thirty third greatest movie of yeah, all time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and and I think aggressive. that's a fairly recent publication too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or fairly recent. Didn't come out in 1980. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I don't even know in 1980 if I would have said it was right, th- one of the right. thirty three best movies. Um, I mean, yeah. So. Yeah, it, it, it has its range of pop culture influence. Mm-hmm. How much of that, though? Because if you think of this movie, it, it was budgeted for $11 million, mm-hmm. which in '79 is still not that much money. Right. I mean, Brewster's Money got $20 million six mm-hmm. years later. We talked about that last week. Um, It grossed 105 million then, which ten times, you know, great. It's up to you know over 200 million now at this point, and that doesn't even count the merchandise and stuff like that. And that's just for this movie, not the whole franchise. I can't. I mean, the the whole franchise. You throw Merck in there; it's got to be like 1.5 by
0: now, something like that. It yeah has to be right. All the all the number of movies coming after and
1: everything. If if not even closer to two billion. Um, to say it's the 33rd greatest movie of all time, I, I still, I, I, I'm not gonna sit here and list off 32 other movies, but I think I probably Th- that's could, a podcast I could, I, for another day. I think I probably could. Yeah, our,
0: our top 50 movie podcast that's coming up in in a future season. Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. Um, now the screenplay was written by Dan O'Bannon, who really hasn't done much. Yeah, I mean he he. he, he Interesting enough, he'd work computer effects for Star Wars.
0: Oh, okay. All right.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, so you know, you see yeah, he had a little influence there. He he really his only other you know, there's some things I'd heard of, of course, but he was a co-writer on Total Recall. Okay. Which was a fine movie. Fine. It's not elite. It's not elite by any standard. I don't I don't know if it'll ever make this
0: show. Probably not.
1: You know, so um but once again we mentioned earlier the the original screenplay that he wrote Um, versus what actually ended up being what they filmed were two dramatically different things. And he even readily admits that, and he's not ashamed of it, nor should he be. Yeah, and so then the others try to get Kane, that's the character's name here. Yeah, uh, Yeah.
0: so Kane has, he's got this, when when he looks over this egg, this pod, this thing jumps out and latches onto his face.
1: Right, right, and it's a terrifying scene. And, And so they try to get him back, and... Yeah, you know, R- Ripley's still in there. She's like, you can't bring him in. It's against quarantine rules. You can't bring any foreign. She's the commanding officer, right? Once everybody's off, like
0: yes, and and. Yeah, yeah, and you, you, you know, they take and they break all the rules. And well, the, Ash who is the science officer, breaks the rules. He opens yeah. the door and, and breaks quarantine. When Ripley would have had them in quarantine and would have had them following protocol and not brought this infected human onto the ship. Right. Like, and then when they take his helmet off, the thing's
1: attached to his face. It's just, like, sucking. And they try to do, like, a surgical thing between Ash and and Dallas. And when they cut the alien and it bleeds, it's, like, acidic. It's, like, acid. And it's burning through the ship. They're running around to see how m- much of the ship it's burning. It, yes. Really kind of freaky scene. And really, at this point, don't you just sorry, Cain, and just throw the body just <laughs> absolutely, out and go. I absolutely?
0: Mean. And we get a little bit of foreshadowing with all of this because we get Ash who lets him in, and then when all of this is happening, the science officer Ash is—he's kind of like, hmm, he's not jumping in there to help. He's not doing anything. He's just kind of watching and observing and. This is really interesting as this is melting through every layer of the ship. Right,
1: and and, and then he, and then he keeps trying to like analyze what it is, and mm-hmm. he gets into all the different compounds and elements that it's that it's made out of, and you know, and, and you know, one point Ripley's like kind of looking over his shoulder, and he's like, "Oh no, no, stay away from it." On that, but then we get, you know, and, I, and I'll be honest here, I'm starting to get a little bored about the science with the alien. Yeah, because they go into a little bit more too more detail than I
0: really care about. And it's just kind of boring. I don't like Ash's character all that much. And and when they're in there doing like sort of like doing the surgical business when they're in the medical portion of the thing. These guys, these astronauts in 2022, with all this super technology, they're in there in just like some lightweight paper gown with a plastic Tupperware oxygen mask, Yeah. and that's all they've got. Like, it's like the kind that of falls
1: out of the airplane. Yes, yeah, yes. You know. Like, have you ever been in an airplane when one of those things fell out? Not yet. Me Don't neither. want to. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Just remember to cover yourself first. <laughs> right. <Brian. laughs> because you know that's a that's one thing I will never forget. Cover you know cover my face first before anybody around me. But but anyway. You know, everybody's breaking protocol, and really at this point in the movie, I'm starting to care little less about these characters, because they wouldn't have been in the mess that they're in if they just would have followed the rules. And I know that sounds like really, you know, fuddy-duddy on my part, but these are some common sense rules that they're breaking, and... You know, it's like you kind of gonna, you de- kind of deserve what you're gonna get here. You know, yeah, we're in space; yeah. we're not playing around. Well, a
0: good captain is gonna know that, right? A good yeah. captain is like, "Do not let me in. This is a problem. This is where we're going."
1: Right, and so I'm, mm, uh, you know, I'm a little well,
0: so that a little gets shaky.
1: Me- but um, but with that said, yeah, the next scene happens, and the next scene happens, and probably thirty minutes pass and i realize i haven't taken a single note because i'm so engrossed in the movie. And <laughs> yes. so
0: gross. so so everybody knows this iconic yes. scene, but i'll let you tell it. Well so yes, of course. So finally, you know, they they've got uh, Kane and he's laying in the infirmary and then somebody calls up, you got to get up here and they look and Kane's alive. He's sitting up and the the thing is gone. And so Kane's all right and all right. And so then the thing is like bounced off him and it, it's on the ceiling, right? And it falls down and it's kind of gross, but they're like okay. So, like, oh, let's go have breakfast, right? So, they're oh, sitting around. I'm, sitting yeah. around breakfast. I'm hungry. <laughs> so, they're sitting around. They're talking. They're joking. They're smoking because they're in space. And <laughs> so, as soon as Cain takes the first bite of his food, like, he swallows it, and then it's on. It is full-on convulsions. It is, like, gastrointestinal distress, and no one knows what's happening. And I can't imagine... I knew this scene before I saw the movie almost, right? But being in the theater in 1979, seeing this and not knowing what the hell's going to happen, that had to be jarring, didn't it? Well, I mean, imagine this. So
1: the actors didn't know the scene was going to happen. Yeah, yes. They show up on set, and the whole set outside of what would be in the camera view is like covered with plastic. It's all, you know, just everything's right. like – and, and, I mean, to the point where Veronica Cartwright, the other woman that we right. wish was dead already, yes. um, she, like, actually kind of faints and falls down and knocks herself unconscious. It's like they're, the, the actors are that spooked even going into
0: the filming of yes. the scene. Yes. It's that powerful. That intense. Yeah. So, so he's freaking out, and he's convulsing, and they're having to hold him down. And he's and one of the guys is trying to put a knife in his mouth because they think he's having a seizure, so he didn't swallow his tongue because that was protocol then. Don't do that now, kids. And, um, now, now they're following protocol. Right, right. <laughs> And so, and then all of a sudden, his stomach ruptures, and this little alien pops out, and and then takes off running across (laughs) the, the room, and what... Just happened. <laughs> yeah. They're all just like, "What happened?" And so they don't know what to do. And so we progress through several scenes where they, you know, we see them um, catapult Kane's body out into space, which was a, a scene that I finally, <laughs> yes, finally, right. Yeah. Um, but this this brings up an interesting thing with this film that I don't know if this was a social commentary then, but I think that you could conceive of it being a social commentary now, and it is about computers versus humans. Um, you know, we see Dallas in a couple of scenes where he goes into the command center of the ship. The sets are stark white with the the flashing lights, and he's talking to Mother. And I think there's probably some symbolism there with that purity and talking to Mother, the uh, computer. a co-writer. Yes. <laughs> and so I think that's part of it. But Dallas doesn't know how to do anything except follow the instructions from Mother and he ends up getting killed and ends up getting most of his crew killed. Ripley is the one who's using her own wits and figures out how to outsmart everything without the help of Mother. And so I, I wonder if there's any sort of a commentary there about computers versus humans, about artificial intelligence versus human intelligence. Um, you know, and, and Dallas is doing the best he can, he's like a ship captain. Who gets hijacked by Somali pirates, and it's not in the book, and it's not in something he's been trained about, so he doesn't know what to do. Uh, Mother, what do I do here? And Mother's just giving him just generic stuff from the book, but it doesn't really help him with this unforeseen complication. And Ripley's the one who figures out this unforeseen complication. Mother's not helping me, and so I'm going to have to use my wits, and we're going to have to figure out how to solve this problem.
1: Well, and it, it's very reminiscent of the second half of you know Kubrick sixty eight two thousand and one Space Odyssey that I mentioned earlier because you have the the humans versus how the
0: yes, computer yes, there very similar to that you
1: know and and there had been a pretty big gap you know and if you, and if you think of what two thousand and one was as a science fiction movie compared to then you know we get Star Wars in seventy seven and then we get this in seventy nine three dramatically different science fiction type movies but. And you don't have as much as a computer play in Star Wars unless you count Darth Vader as a computer. Right. You know, but very much more mother in the relationship with astronauts and how in the relationship in
0: 2001. I think it's very, very similar to 2001.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think so too. But you're exactly right that, you know... Ripley, she follows the rules, but she follows her gut too.
0: Yes, she under, she understands. I have to solve this problem.
1: Right, and, and she's the one that really takes it over and is just determined. I'm going to kill this alien, uh, you know. Um, and 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 it brings us to you know an, an interesting question. You know, who's going to make the tournament with the Max Katie tournament? Is it going to be the alien or is it going to be Ripley?
0: That's an excellent, excellent question. Um, because
1: typically when we think about the people that are actually going to make the tournament uh, to fight Max Cady at the end of the season one, a lot of those people don't survive the movies that they're
0: in. That's right. That's right. Now, I think if we're on Earth, if we're in space, give me Ripley because she's smart. Yeah. If we're on Earth, give me the alien.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, you so you think both of them can take Max I think I think they both can make the the bracket for sure.
1: Both can make the bracket. So this might be our first movie with two characters in in the bracket. I think that's right. Which it's also our our, our first movie. Where we've done the same female actress twice. That's right. We saw we did...
0: Sigourney Weaver and Dave. Yeah. And and so we saw And I, twice. if you would
1: have told me, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't think Bruce Willis was a big stretch for being our first guy that we did twice, but if you had told me Sigourney Weaver being the first uh, actress we did twice, I, I, you would have won a lot of money on that, those odds. Yes. That's
0: triple digits <laughs> to <the> one. <easy.
1: laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, yeah, they're, they're packing up to try to get to the escape uh, pod. At at this point, uh, you know, they've tried to chase around the alien. And here's something interesting about the alien, too, that I did not even realize until watching the movie even this time and then just doing some research on it is the alien actually. And and this might be why the alien might not last too long in our bracket, because there's going to be several rounds. The alien actually has a very short lifespan Uh because really, as the movie progresses, the alien, number one, changes color. Yes. Um, As it it gets older, but also as it gets older, it starts to seem to get a little weaker. It's not as powerful and Uh strong as it once was. And when you read the commentaries back from the the creators of the character and creators of the movie, the
0: alien is actually already kind of peaked at its strength and is already starting to kind of... To dwindle. To dwindle and, you know... Well, because in the in the late scene, right before it dies, it, it's just sort of like curled up and it's, it's in sort of a resting state. At
1: that yeah, point. where it had been very hyperactive the, the whole time. Now, as we move into this kind of third act, if you will, of mm-hmm. the movie, and, and it's probably a little bit further along than that even, of, of Ripley chasing around trying to kill the alien... Did you feel like you're going to have a seizure with all the strobe bites?
0: Yeah, and there's a, scene, there, there's a scene in that that I thought was, I, I did not understand this scene. And it's a scene in which, um, I think the alien kills two people, um, but they're in a room with a bunch of chains hanging down and water dripping from the ceiling. Did that make any sense to you? It made about as much sense
1: as all the little dolls in the beginning of the movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. right. And the mean, cat. <laughs> and so the studio wanted that scene cut. And I think somewhat wisely so, or they wanted the set change because obviously you can't cut the scene, but Ridley Scott went out and got the scene in. He felt like for effect, he needed the chains and the water, but where the hell was the water coming from on the spacecraft? Like, why is it dripping water down? And what are the chains there for? Like it, it,
1: I mean, is a shipping container with the ores or anything there? Where there's something know. like it, water pressure to maybe the water well, jets to get the ore out well, or well, something? I like like that. for the, gold,
0: I... But the Nostromo was a craft that was hooked to this big thing that was towing the ore. So I don't even think it was related to the the ore that they had mined. I think it was just self-contained within the spacecraft mm. that was propelling it through space. So it was a really weird choice. Like I get, you know, because it was. An intense scene, and it was a scene that that evoked a lot of nervousness. But if you peel those emotions back and you just look at the scene for what it is, and like, why is this on a spaceship? Zero sense.
1: Well, yeah, that's how. I, yeah, like I mentioned, the strobe lights were driving me crazy. It's uh, you know, I, it was just, it was almost like too. I mean, it was intense, and I don't want to d- detract from that because I mean, I was I was spellbound. I was I was you know glued. Uh, you know. But at the same time, I was like, kind of feeling like I was in kind of like the back end of a really bad, like haunted house, where really yeah. I'm getting they're trying to get me with gimmicks, right, right, you right, know, right, versus like actual fear. Yeah,
0: I, yeah. no, I think that's right, yeah. and and I think that's a thing that happens in a lot of these movies. Like you can go so far, and then to really put enough space in the movie, you you, you kind of resort to some tropes or some gimmicks, like kind of like that. So I think that's right. Now, one thing we've sort of skipped over was the point where after Dallas is killed mm-hmm. and Ripley sort of assumes command and she's trying to figure out what's going on. She Ash. she goes to Mother and tries to then she's figuring it all out. Mm-hmm. And so then she realizes that Ash knows what's going on.
1: Yeah, in that, in that in that really Mother yes, being driven by what maybe the company back on earth mm-hmm. deliberately had them respond and when they found out there was an alien directed ash to get that alien on On ship on board to bring it back to earth bring the alien back
0: everything else is inconsequential the only thing that matters is getting this life form back to earth so we can study it and figure it out and so this is my second social commentary that i think is potentially involved in this film whether or not it was intentional at the time or whether it's interesting do do we need to
1: discuss ash before we go into this? no we can get
0: into that in a minute okay um but this feels like it could be kind of a swipe at big corporations. The idea that that the workers are expendable and the only thing that matters is the corporate goal. So who makes who made the Pinto back in the seventies?
1: Ford. Ford. So I read an article today because there was something something that a company did that was you know really humanitarian, but not in the sense of we're going to like help people out, but they just did the right thing. Yeah. Just yeah. The, uh, made the right decision. They chose. You know, health and happiness over bottom line. I right, forget, right. I forget who that was, but then there was a comparison piece talking about Ford when they found out in the 70s that the Ford Pinto would explode and mm-hmm. catch on fire when it was in a rear end collision. Right. And the, the brilliant people at Ford did the math and decided that it would actually be cheaper to settle any lawsuits that would stem from that mechanical malfunction than it would be to actually recall the Pinto. And so they did not recall it. Right. Right. So I think that's kind of what you're talking about. Yes. That kind of you know choosing the you know the the dollar over the person. Right. And. I don't want to get too deep into that because it can be a very touchy subject. For sure, but I think we'd be naive to say that or think that that doesn't happen. That, but it, you know, it's not just corporations that do it. You'll see it in nonprofits. You'll see it in churches. You'll see it in community associations. It's, sure, there's the, the, it's it's the, the, the business people, over the individual, right? Basically. And there's people that you know drive that. There's decision makers within any, any organization that that are the ones that are that are pushing and pulling for
0: that. Yeah. Well, that, those were two social commentaries that struck me as I was watching this, wondering if that was an important part of the plot or an intended part of the plot. So,
1: so. do you think that Independence Day was a, was a was a potential sequel to this and they finally got the alien there? <laughs> <Maybe> <laughs> you so. know? Yeah. And, and that's the alien that they, they, they show, who was it, Bill Pullman? Yeah. That yeah, was the, yeah, the president? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know because they, they look kind of similar. It's very similar. Now you yeah. know that they deliberately, on the alien in this movie, mm-hmm. they deliberately, as they designed it, did not have eyes on it because yeah. they, they wanted to make it more, you know, Unhuman. Yes, I mean, and
0: it's one of the most brilliant things because it's one of the scariest things you'll see. And so, and so, I I read, I read
1: something today about, and I don't know if it was the director or the writer. So I don't know if it was Scott or somebody else. But when they went to the artists, I think his name was Geiger or something. I didn't write it Mm -hmm. down. But the artists had actually designed all forms of the alien. Mm -hmm. So you know, the adult alien, the squid alien, the coming out of the belly alien. (laughs) The first thing the artist asked him was, "You want some opium?" He was like, oh, why would I want opium? And he goes, I don't know. That's how I see it.
0: something. It was just like yeah. just bizarro
1: land.
0: One of the great things about this movie is um, Scott intentionally only has one scene where you see the bulk of the alien like head mm-hmm. to toe. You see head shots. You see tail shots. You see little things. You don't ever see the whole thing. And he said, I didn't want it to look like a man in a fat rubber suit running around. I wanted it to be scary. I wanted to just show the head, show the tail, show the mouth. Um, all of those things. And so I think that was a I, in terms of the creation of the alien and, and on, on screen, I thought that was brilliant. But it was
1: a full body costume. It was a full body costume. Because yes. they found a guy and I've seen everything from six foot ten to seven foot two, and they met him like in a fast food joint or at the mall or something, and they brought him in to actually George Mirasan <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be awesome. That would be awesome if it was George Mirrorson. But it was not. <laughs> but uh and, and this guy, so he, he's not a real actor. He's just a right. tall dude. And uh, so he'd have to wear this suit all day, and he and you couldn't sit down in the suit. And so they actually had to build this contraption that would actually let him, like, kind of rest in kind oh, of a swing yeah, so he yeah, could yeah. get off of his feet. So I just, you know, I mean, a lot of work went into this, this you know, alien, this alien. suit. This yeah. And, hey, hey. It's very iconic. Absolutely. It it paid off. It paid off at the
0: end. Yeah, so speaking of non-humans, let's get back to Ash because that's a badass robot.
1: Yeah, well, that's the thing. And it's like – that was like one of those – where that was in my kind of dark moment of this movie where I wasn't taking any notes because that's what was blowing my mind. Yeah. Because I had forgotten that part. Me too. I had totally forgotten that part and I have no notes on it other than – it because it was just – I was – Wow. You know, was not expecting. Because I had told you earlier, I didn't like this guy. Yeah. I thought he was,
0: you know. Yeah, something weird about him. Something weird about him. Um, And then to find out he's an android just blew my mind. And he tried to kill Sigourney Weaver with the magazine and almost did it. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it was crazy. You know, it's just a total... And 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 they kill him, they knock his head off, and he's still going, and they... If you haven't seen it, it's so good. Go watch it. Yeah, it's worth it. I mean,
1: it's... it's And and everything in this movie is. I mean, I... You know, and and I know we'll get to that, you know, big question we always ask, but I think everybody already knows what the answer is going to be. But... Yeah, you know, so I, you know, get back the, to the plot a little bit. And so they're, they're packing up the escape pod and this is when I think three of them are still alive before, before the alien kills the last two. And even I, I can't remember if Ash is still around yet or not. Um, cause I don't remember the sequence yeah. of how everybody died. Cause I was just engrossed in the movie. Um, but, uh, so first they go back to look for the cat. Yeah. Now, you know, I, I you know, Admittedly, I'm not a huge animal person, mm-hmm. and I know people are, and I respect that. But and you have I a dog. That. But you have a dog. I do have a dog. Right. So, um, but you, if, you if 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 my life depended on getting to that place five feet away or running back thirty five feet to get my dog, it's
0: not even a question. It's <laughs> it, it, just and stop the aliens it.
1: probably going to be there. I'll miss you, dog. <laughs> it's like I'll, 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 you know, I'll get another dog and name dog two. Yes, you know, yes, it's yes, yeah, uh, you know. But they, don't, they go back to get the cat. Uh, and then and then they decide. Okay, we're gonna set
0: the detonator to blow the blow blow everything up, right? And get into the escape. pod. Yeah. So so everybody's dead except Sigourney. Yeah. Right like, now so everybody's dead. Everybody's, everybody's gone. Everybody's Sigourney's gone. here, yeah. and she's got the cat, and she's she's gotten into the escape pod, and she decides she's gonna. Set the self-destruct on on the ship. And this is a widely used trope in science fiction and in space movies. It's the self-destruct, whether it's James Bond, whether it's space. Like, it's used all the time. And I can't tell you that there's a movie where it's used better and more effectively in drama than this. Like, it is intense drama, and it is used really well, I think.
1: Well, yes, but I will make one little... Poke one little hole in this one. If you were the designer of the spaceship yeah and you knew that you would be hitting the self-destruct and escaping from the escape pod mm-hmm. would you not have put the self-destruct button right next to the yeah. escape pod that's a great point
0: yes because she has to like run way over here well she's got to unscrew these things out she's of the wall do and all go this. screw them out yeah. it's, it's but, a very hard self-destruct but it's kind of a fail safe thing too right like well, you I can't just i understand yeah. the
1: fail safe you don't want to be like oops i tripped and spilled my coffee and right. self-destruct right i, mean, I get that but you would still think that you would put it like within I don't know three or four feet yeah. of the escape pods, so that way you're there, you got everything, boom, blow the ship, you get like twenty seconds, get out of there, yeah. gone, everything's over. Um, but they don't do that because right. that would have taken the drama away, which you no, I enjoy. think yeah,
0: yes, I, I did,
1: yeah. So, but then the the the, the pod shoots off, um, and if I and and all of a sudden I believe the aliens now in the pod somehow. Well, so at
0: this point the pod shoots off, and Ripley thinks she's cool, yeah. so she. She's got this, you know, she's got a particularly sweaty spacesuit situation, like her jumpsuit. So she takes it off, and so she strips down to nothing but this uh, white cotton t shirt and some white bikini panties. Now, it's time for love advice with Uncle Jim. Ladies, this one's going out to you. You can spend a lot of money out there, you can go to Victoria's Secret. You can spend hundreds of dollars on underwear. You can spend hundreds of dollars on lingerie. It doesn't matter. Go home, get the white, low-cut panties, cotton. It's all good. Like, you're going to get a really, really good result from your man because the white bikini panties never fail.
1: It's, it's just classic. It's, a it's classic. classic. It's a
0: classic. It's classic. Yeah. So, anyway, ladies, you're welcome. Gentlemen who are with those ladies... You're also welcome. Now, continuing on. <laughs> so then she's sitting there, and she realizes that the alien is on the escape pod. And it's kind of curled up, like I talked about it. Like, it's kind of there. Yeah, it's, kind of, she's it's like, kind
1: of hiding up in the corner a little bit. And she's
0: freaking out, and she's moving very slowly, and she slides into a full-on protective space suit, right? right. Like, like she's going to go out and do a spacewalk. And that thing's there. And so then she has a plan at this point. And so she sort of pokes the bear, literally, like, sprays some... Uh, fire extinguisher or something axe body spray yeah something yeah X body spray yeah that's right to, to wake the thing up and get in and get it out so then it then it then it's irritated awakened and now it's coming after Ripley yeah and so she uh so she gets it coming and then once it gets close, she she hits a button opens up the hatch door it flies out into space she closes it and it's still kind of tethered yeah, in there. it's still kind of
1: hanging on there. It's still
0: hanging on yeah. via some cord or something. Well, she
1: shot it with a harpoon or something, didn't she? Yeah, and that's think, right. She, and, she harpo- yeah. Yeah, 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 and the yeah, cord yeah. kind of gets stuck yeah. as she's
0: shutting the door. That's right, that's yeah. right, that's right. And so then it's hang- dangling out, but then she hits the thrusters, and it gets burned up, and she yeah. heads out into space, and she uh, climbs back into her... Um, well, she
1: gives she gives a final commentary. She makes a recording. Yeah,
0: um,
1: everyone else is dead. The cargo is destroyed. I'm on way way back to Earth. It's going to be I don't know what she said eight weeks or right, something whatever. Like that, whatever. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to get it, and
0: then she gets into the cryo chamber with the cat. And I'm not sure how that works if you can have both of them in the same chamber. But she hops in there with the cat and well, cats
1: can sleep anywhere. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> and I guess it's not time travel like the fly, so they're not going to tra- cross DNAs. Any, you know, right. So. Yeah.
1: But and that's the end of the movie. That's it. And and that's it. It ends perfectly yeah i mean you know solid i mean it takes you right to the 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 end you know just gives you a quick little you know 60 90 second button up which is all you really want because you don't want to lose that intensity you want to like you want to be stuck with a movie like this you want to get to the credits where you're just kind of stuck staring at the credits
0: and you're still blown away i sit there at the end of this one i watched all the credits i watched the credits through to the end i was just still sitting there right because you're just like wow that was awesome that was awesome and 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 you want to walk out of there, and if you if you walk out of the theater in and
1: 1979... you see the blooper reel? Like, a, you run. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like the alien stepped yeah. over
1: something, and like, it was funny. No,
0: there really is not a blooper reel. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, you want to walk out of that theater in 1979 and be like, holy cow. And you're like, silent as you're walking to your car, and you're in the car like, what would you think of that? It was awesome. It was awesome. And then you just go, right?
1: So do you think, like, so how many times after people walked out of this movie in the parking lot... Did like one of them like go up and scare the other one from behind? You know that probably happened. Sixty five
0: percent of the, <laughs> the time. Sixty.
1: You know, people. Were, this is one of those movies that you just try to scare people afterwards yeah, and right. just kind of see who's going to be the scared the longest. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's right. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's that's what makes horror movies fun, especially when they're good.
0: Yep, definitely for sure. So a couple of other quick things about this. I thought this movie was great. I want to give the other Oscar-nominated movies for this year the Best Picture films. This was not nominated, but it was Kramer versus Kramer won the Academy Award for Best Picture. Apocalypse Now was nominated. Breaking Away, Norma Ray, and all that jazz. And wow. I, yeah. I think it deserves a place at I that table. I think you can slide it in there. I, I think, think. no,
1: but the interesting thing is, I think, and we talked about this during the Oscar, Oscar podcast, that there's so many more opportunities for movies to be nominated now because you can go up to 10 movies. Right. You know, honestly, though, if I could travel back in time, I don't think this would have made even the top 10 movies because sci-fi at this time was not a legitimate That's right. genre of movie. That's no right. matter how good the movie was, I mean, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. None of. The, I mean, not saying that they were Oscar worthy movies. Please don't get me wrong. But it's like they were really classic horror movies. Yeah. I have.
0: Know. I have a hot take about Halloween.
1: Well, is it I, for now? Yeah, Go ahead. I'll give it
0: right now. I think if Halloween had never had a sequel, and Michael Myers died when he fell out of that window, it would be regarded as a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. I, Halloween is a brilliant movie and yeah. the sequels diminish the original.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that that might bring us to what we're going to do next, but we're not going to talk about what our next movie because we're no. do. No, but no, no. Maybe there's a little teaser in there for you. Just a little teaser. Now, you know, one thing that I didn't mention, there was actually an alternate ending for this movie, and I believe it actually was filmed where the alien actually bites off Ripley's head. Oh really? Imagine if they would have put that on. Wow, phone. yeah. Where's your Where's your franchise?
0: Yes. Where's yes. your
1: franchise? So, you know, that's to your
0: point about Halloween. You kill Michael Myers. How much money did you just? That's lose? right. But, you know? but if the alien wins in the end, I think that's a great movie too. Like, yeah. I, I love well, a movie. The alien dying didn't stop her from bringing the alien back 15 zillion times Well, they had to go back and get some more. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Lots of eggs. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, like, if, if the alien bites off Ripley's head, uh, that's, that's not a bad ending for yeah. the movie. But I, I love it as it is, and I, I, I wouldn't have changed a thing about it. But. Right.
1: Well, so now we come to the, the point of the show where the, the important questions are asked. Yes. So, uh,
0: you know, the first one is, when would you watch this one again? So I hadn't watched this one in at least 10 years and probably more, and um, I, it's great. I don't want to watch it all the time, but I'd watch it again any time. Anybody wants to watch it, I'll watch it. I'll sit down. I, I love it. You know, if, if
1: it's true what I read about this actually coming back to the, the big screen in 2019, and I, I, and those of you that don't know, I am not a big fan of going to the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just something about sitting there for two hours. You know, I drink too much Coke. i got to go to the
0: bathroom. I can't pause. you, you got to go to a theater that serves beer. Yeah, like, they have those now you know that right well then just have to go to the bathroom more it doesn't matter it's, yeah it,
1: you know it's like I, I, if I could go to a theater where they hand me a remote control and I can pause and like the other 200 people there are just willing to like you know work with me right. you know <laughs> I'm in I, I, I don't think a theater like that will ever exist but um uh, I might actually go to the theater to watch this one because I would love to see it on the big screen I would too if, if it really if, if is if coming it really out. does especially at a good theater with like the super surround mm-hmm. sound and all that kind of stuff and and even with that i I would actually you know like to maybe watch this one again and maybe watch the second one so how many because I really haven't followed this this franchise when you know Jaws obviously is probably in one of my top 10 movies of all yeah. time no questions asked Jaws 2 was okay. After that, it kind of slides, and we can do other things with other movies that have sequels. When does this? When does this franchise jump the shark?
0: I, I don't know. You know, I, I or has it? I, I think it has to have. Yeah. I haven't yeah. watched all of them. I, I remember watching Aliens when it came out. Um, I watched the one that had um, Winona Ryder in it oh. in uh, the er, the late nineties. Maybe that was Alien Resurrection. Yeah. I think Alien Three came out in the early. nineties. we haven't
1: done a podcast since there's went on a Ryder movie. I know, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> but, uh yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I, to be honest, after this one, I don't know much about the film franchise, um, so I can't no. even speak to that.
1: But yeah, no, I, w- I would watch it. You know, I mean, I need a few weeks. Yeah, you know, I don't want to watch I, it tomorrow, but it's... right? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely. You know, I, it, I, I want to see this one again, and I, it, and maybe kind of do a little research on how many of them I should watch, and yeah, and kind of get back because you know, like I, I mentioned in the beginning, I, this one really, when originally in the '80s, it, it didn't kind of. Grasp onto me, like some other movies, just because of who was in it. But I'm, I'm sold now.
0: I'm yeah. really sold. Yeah, it's, it's such a great movie.
1: Yeah, and I think that, I think we've answered the the big question: is, is that movie still good? It's
0: still great. It was. It's never been not good. And yeah. I love speaking in multiple negatives, but it's never <laughs> been not good.
1: Yeah, your eighth grade uh, grammar teacher is gonna maybe. Oh, well, she's a listener. Who cares? <laughs> so she becomes a listener. Right, who cares? Right. And become a subscriber, Mrs.
0: Mrs. <laughs> None. Please download, subscribe, rate, and review. <laughs> yeah.
1: So so thank you all for for listening. Uh, we like I said, I gave a little tease. Um, I think our next movie might be a part of a franchise again, but. It will not be the first movie of
0: that franchise. It will not, and it it, it is uh, one that is as I remember, one of my favorite movies of that franchise. So we'll see how it is. We'll see um, how it holds up, because
1: um, it, it's questionable. It's I loved it too, but it's questionable it's how it held up.
0: We'll see, we'll see. Um, yeah, so continue to look for us on the social media platforms. Download, rate, subscribe, review. We, um, we love everything we're getting back on this, and uh, we're just going to keep on talking about movies and having some fun. So thanks again for coming out, and this is Is That Movie so Good? And we will see you again soon. This has been an Oland Land Sight podcast production. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.
1: Hey, everybody. Joe Vindley here from Miscast Commentary. Have you been along for the ride while we've been doing the MCU Commentary Marathon? If not, where the f*** have you been? We're going to watch it the way you would have experienced it when you go into the theaters. Yeah. And that's how and, and you would have experienced it with two assholes talking through the whole thing. Yes. The only person who can see the true scope of this is Galactus. He can see the end. Yes. That's it. So think about that, nerds. <laughs> she knows who's the boss in this house. Uh, <laughs> She's the Angela. The Angela. We all know Angela was the boss. And he is Tony, so. Exactly. exactly. Oh, this, oh, my God. This <laughs> is so. so well. <laughs> Join us every Friday as we present a new full-length commentary for another Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. This has a little bit of odds in it, too, I think. Like, not the prison, the, the wonderful wor- world of. Miss <laughs> cat's commentary. Join us or don't. I'm not your mom.